Welcome to the Daily Dive Weekend Edition. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and every week I explore the top stories making waves in the news and some that are just plain interesting. I'll connect you with the journalists and the people who know the story and bring you news without the noise so you can make an informed decision. You can catch a new episode of The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday, and it's ready when you wake up. On the weekend edition, I'll be bringing you some of the best stories from the week. We started off this week with a huge tragedy in California, in Santa Barbara County. A diving boat called the Conception caught on fire, and many of the people on board died. 34 people are presumed dead, and this is coming after the search for survivors is being called off by the Coast Guard. A lot of the victims, they say, were below deck and were unable to escape. The only people that did manage to survive were five crew members whose sleeping quarters were above deck. Basically, they were not caught in this in the whole fire. The Coast Guard crews have now shifted their efforts to finding remains and recovering the vessel. This is after they spent at least 24 hours searching the area in and around where the boat sank. Victor, tell us a little bit more about what happened on this Conception diving boat. Well, one of the issues is that really nobody knows what exactly happened. Right now, there's no indication that they were able to escape at all. And the fire was so bad and they were so badly burned that officials are asking family members for DNA so that they can test them so that they can confirm who is what in this situation. Yeah, the fire was so hot and apparently it blocked both of the ways that were out of the quarters that were below. People who have been on that boat before this dive boat was very popular with families and people who wanted to go, you know, scuba diving, things like that. People that have been on this boat said that there was a hatch above the bunk beds so you can use the bunk beds as kind of a ladder to climb out. And then there was another door behind, but they believe that the fire and the smoke was so bad that it just blocked everything and they couldn't get out of there. Right. And people who had already been on this boat who were coming to talk about the conception and the company that ran the boat have said that it is one of the safest boats. It has passed the Coast Guard's inspections. The few times that there were issues, the owner was able to correct these issues almost immediately. They also said that Every single time before they went out that there was always a meeting about safety protocols. Where is the escape hatch? How to put on a life vest? Where to go? How to navigate stairwells and everything like that? But two major things, like you just said, A, the fire more than likely blocked escape hatches and stairwells. And two, it was 3.30 in the morning, dark with smoke everywhere. I don't, no matter how much training you get, that's a massively scary time and fear might have set in. There was a company called worldwide diving adventures who chartered the conception for the labor day weekend diving trip. You know, it was advertised on the website for a chance for divers to see colorful sea life up close near the channel islands in California. Uh, I mean, this was a fun family labor day type event. The boat itself was owned by Santa Barbara based truth aquatics. And as you mentioned, they had passed all their recent inspections, any safety issues they did have were quickly resolved. One of the people that helped the victims once they escaped was Bob Hansen. He was in a nearby boat called the Grape Escape. That's his boat. When the five crew members that escaped the fire jumped off, they went to his boat. He was nearby, so they just uh, got in a dinghy and went right over to him. 
Here's a little clip of Bob Hansen speaking to George Stephanopoulos on Good Morning America about the crew members coming to him. They had woken up to fire on board. They had actually woken the captain up, and uh, uh, it sounds like the captain tried to make a, uh, a mayday call, but uh, the fire was so intense, they ended up jumping off the boat. We also have a clip of the mayday call, and this is interesting. I mean, it, you can hear the worry in the call. You can hear the person at one point saying, I can't breathe. This is indication that the fire was raging at that point, a lot of smoke. Here's a little bit of that 911 call. So now moves on to the investigation. The NTSB is looking into what's going on. We still don't know exactly what caused the fire, but it's likely that since they were doing a diving trip, they had oxygen tanks or tanks that had uh, something called nitrox in there, which is a blend of pure oxygen and air. Uh, I think at some point they said that there was explosions happening. So that could have been some of these air tanks going, but we still don't know. In, in a lot of these cases, when boats catch on fire, it's either engine trouble or maybe electrical problems. It's important to note pure oxygen on its own is not flammable. It's not combustible, but it will lead a small fire into a massively big fire. When you have oxygen tanks or diving tanks, you need special tanks or you need special equipment that has materials or chemicals to prevent something like this happening if right. there is a fire on board. Thank you, Victor. Thank you. An update to that story. We recorded that earlier in the week, and there has been a preliminary investigation going on into what caused this fire. And now investigators are saying that there could have been some serious safety deficiencies aboard this vessel. There was supposed to be a roaming night watchman, somebody who was required to be awake and alert passengers in the event of a fire. There was nobody staying up overnight. There's also questions whether the crew was adequately trained and whether passengers received a complete safety briefing. That's critical to knowing how to get off the boat in case of things like a fire. Victor, what else do we know about this? Uh, yeah, we know that the National Transportation Safety Board is looking into this and has a lot of questions about certain electrical systems and how there are extra batteries from the cameras on board. One of the agents who's investigating the fire is looking at the Vision, a very similar boat to the Conception, and she says the fire standards are different for older boats, such as the Conception, the Vision, and that an alarm isn't hooked up to a centralized alarm. And when the lights go out, you can't see anything. So she couldn't find how to turn on the lights or where to really go for an escape hatch. We'll keep you updated if things develop. This past week, we also got news about the border wall. The Trump administration is moving ahead with plans to divert $3.6 billion for military construction projects to build the border wall. This new funding would go toward 11 wall projects and would affect as many as 127 military projects. For more on this, we spoke to Sarah Ferris. She's a congressional reporter at Politico. 
the White House is executing this plan, which has been in the works for more than a year. And this is basically a way for the White House to circumvent Congress and the decision that lawmakers made last year to not spend additional money for President Trump's border wall. So instead of being rejected by Congress, the Trump administration decided to go ahead and divert some money from military construction projects in dozens of states that will go toward fortifying a lot of fencing around the country in, in several different locations along the southern border. And this has been a pretty controversial decision. And this is something that has been challenged by Republicans as well as Democrats. There are Republicans who think this could potentially jeopardize national security. Of course, these are Pentagon dollars. This is not something Republicans are normally willing to part with. They're torn between their allegiance to President Trump and this longtime allegiance to the Pentagon. And, and the Republican Party has, has always been loyal to military funding and trying to increase that, not let it be diverted into other things, and especially not when Congress is being circumvented entirely. So this is reaching a peak this week, but we've known this has been coming for more than a year. So uh, there's a total of 127 military projects that are going to be impacted by this. I've seen reporting all over the place. Some has said that over 20 states will see projects impacted by this. We're still waiting for an official list of exactly which projects will be impacted and why, because that was something that was requested. That's right. So the Pentagon is painstakingly calling every single member whose district is going to be affected by this. So the Pentagon is not going to release a list of all the projects until every member is specifically notified. And a couple of lawmakers have come out and announced that there are projects within their district that have been affected. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer and the other New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand have said that there will be millions of dollars coming out of the military academy at West Point. And so that's going to be something to watch because obviously that's a very coveted academy and there's a lot of Republicans who are going to be upset that there's money taken out of that account. So that's just what we've seen so far. There will be announcements later this afternoon about exactly which projects are going to be affected. And of course, we'll be looking for how many of these projects are in Democratic seats and how many come from Republican seats. If there's any kind of discrepancy, you're going to see party leaders cry foul of that. You mentioned that some of the criticism was that it could impact military readiness. There's been a lot of different scandals over poor living conditions for service members in several parts of the country. But the Pentagon has said that none of these projects would affect housing or critical infrastructure for troops. So the Pentagon has been clear that this might come from research laboratories or specific bases, but they've said that it's not going to be impacting family housing or anything that directly impacts military families. The big fight I see coming, because this is kind of the weird thing, is that defense officials said that they hope Congress will appropriate more money to backfill the military construction projects that get cut. So this is kind of the workaround. The Trump administration is taking the money away from these projects and then they're hoping that Congress will just allocate more money for it, in effect, basically paying for the border wall. Exactly. They're hoping to get this money backfilled. So the Pentagon is very careful to say that none of these projects are being canceled. They say that instead the funding has been deferred. And of course, that's up to Congress. Will Democrats be willing to move around money when they know the White House has been playing games? I think the answer is no. But there's also going to be a lot of pressure from these home state lawmakers who will be hearing from their constituents if money is, is going out of their districts. So this could be something that Democrats are forced to do if there's a lot of their members back home and 
worried about those hundreds of millions of dollars not going into their districts. So that's going to be an issue for next year's funding fight. But we also have a funding deadline coming up in a couple of weeks. I imagine this will be a pretty big part of that. There will be a lot of Democrats pressuring Republicans to increase the funding to make up for that. So we'll see that, that the deadline for that yeah. is September 30th. And I think some Democrats are already saying that they're not going to play the game and they're not going to reappropriate money for the affected projects. OK, so the last question, the big question we're diverting all these billions of dollars now. How much wall are we going to get out of this? I think I've seen that they're going to be working on 11 different wall projects in California, Arizona, and Texas. That's right. And so this is all rebuilding portions of wall. So the precise details of each project are still kind of up in the air. There's a lot of different states at play here. What the president really cares about is getting the 500 miles of wall that he's promised before the election. So he's been saying he wants to have 500 miles by November 2020. He's even reportedly told his staff that he's willing to pardon them if they're able to go out of out of their way to make sure this funding exists. So he's suggesting that his own administration might be willing to make illegal maneuvers to make this happen. So we know that this is a huge priority of the White House, exactly where it's built, how it's built. That's something that even the president himself hasn't really cared about all that much, as long as there are the images and what he can project at campaign rallies over the next year. They're hoping to get 175 miles of border wall out of this pretty soon. Construction could begin in about 100 days, although there might be some other challenges to this. But we'll definitely see how quickly this money gets allocated and how quickly construction starts. Sarah Ferris, congressional reporter for Politico. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. An update to an ongoing story. State and federal health officials have been investigating mysterious lung illnesses linked to vaping. The new update is that vitamin E acetate is a focus of this investigation it's being found in high levels in samples that were tested that contain cannabis, not in nicotine vaping products, but the investigation still continues. For more on this, we spoke to Kristen Jordan Seamus. She's a writer at the Detroit Free Press for that and also the first in the nation banned on sales of flavored vape products in Michigan. Wednesday, Governor Gretchen Whitmer announced in Michigan an emergency administrative rule based on the findings of the State Department of Health and Human Services, which found that e-cigarette use in high schoolers had risen 78% from 2017 to 2018 and 48% in middle schoolers. And her concern is their health and safety. And she said that a lot of the vape products and the e-cigarette products are marketed to kids. Michigan already has a law that bans the sales of these products to people under the age of 18, but the findings show that they are still using using those products. Yeah, so everything is going to be eliminated, all online and retail sales of flavored vape products, with the exception of tobacco-flavored e-cigarettes. Um, how is this going to be implemented? Because I, I saw that it's only going to be a six-month ban at first, and then it can be renewed for another six months. Absolutely. It's a temporary ban and it's an emergency action. And it'll be filed with the state department, the secretary of state's office. And once it's filed with the secretary of state's office, which should happen in the next few weeks, the ban will become immediate. It'll last six months and then the governor may choose to renew it after another six months. Do we know why it was just six months? Are they trying to like you see if there's any change that happens, it's a pretty short amount of time. 
It is a short amount of time, but I think it's because it's this administrative rule. It isn't something that's going through the legislature. It isn't something that's been voted on and approved. It's an action that's being taken from the highest office in the state. Now, we've been hearing about these stories. Uh, We've had two deaths related to this so far, one in Illinois and then one in Oregon, where they did say that it was because the person was smoking marijuana vape products. In Michigan specifically, there's six lung infections that are being tied to vaping right now. What do we know about these cases? We don't know a whole lot about them. The state Department of Health and Human Services is joining with the national agencies to investigate those six cases. We know that all six people in Michigan were hospitalized. They were all critically ill. And they haven't been able to really pinpoint, at least in the Michigan cases, what the common cause might be. Yeah, and and that's part of the whole problem with this, that it's so difficult to really pinpoint what it is. Uh, A lot of people have pointed to the flavorings in these products because while they're safe for consumption, human consumption, We don't know the effects once they're aerosolized and inhaled. The Washington Post just had a report out, and this proves how complicated this is. They have narrowed down on one contaminant they think that is in the marijuana vape products specifically. This doesn't even have to do with the e-cigarette ones, and it's a derivative of vitamin E, vitamin E acetate. And it was found in a lot of these samples that were taken from people that got sick and that had reported having all of these, uh, you know, this new lung disease, what we're looking into. And it just proves how complicated it is because we're working with two different things, nicotine, e-cigarettes, and marijuana vape pens. And the science of it is pretty tricky, too. I mean, they're just starting to research these things. These products are relatively new, and they haven't had the rigorous testing that a lot of other products have had that are on the market. And the science just isn't there. A doctor I spoke with yesterday was saying, you know, it takes decades worth of research to really have an idea of what the impacts are long-term of using these products. And with the same with this, you know, we're, we're, we won't know for so long and we're barely starting to study. It's really just coming to a head with all of this. The other angle of this is with this ban that's going to go happen there in Michigan. A lot of the small business owners, vape shop owners are worried that they could lose their business. A lot of them say, you know, just these vape products themselves are about 20% of their businesses? Absolutely. There are some that only sell vape products and arguably they'll probably lose their businesses with a six-month ban. A lot of other stores, they sell tobacco products or they'll sell CBD and Kratom products in addition to vaping products. And so they can get by. One of the store owners I talked to said he'll probably lose $10,000 because of this ban. He doesn't think that he can sell down his inventory before it goes into effect. And that's a big loss for him. One of the other store owners that you spoke to, I just thought it was so interesting because this all does have to do with younger people. You know, the governor wanted to make this ban so that younger people couldn't get their hands on it. And it's almost like the new buying beer underage. The shop owner said, hey, a young guy came in and said, I, let me buy these products. He said, I need your ID. He's like, I don't have my wallet. He told him, come back later. But that's the thing, you know, people are just trying to jump in and buy these and they're increasingly getting younger and younger. I think, too, there's also the point that in neighboring states, and, and we're right on the border with Canada as well, I think that if people want to get these products, they don't necessarily have to get them in Michigan. And that's what I'm hearing from a lot of readers today. They're saying, well, we'll just drive to Toledo, Ohio, or we'll just cross the border into Canada and get it and bring it back. And other people are saying there'll be a black market that will bubble up 
as a result of this ban. I know the business shop owners will definitely be held to task on this, but as you said, if there's a black market that happens, if somebody drives out of state and brings their products back in, nobody's going to know or stop them or do anything that. So it is going to be a difficult situation to really get under control. I have a question. I have a bunch of questions in with the state attorney general's office about enforcement. I haven't heard back from them yet, but certainly watch for follow-up stories on this as this develops here in Michigan. Kristen Jordan Seamus, writer for the Detroit Free Press. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Don't forget to join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this is the Daily Dive Weekend Edition. 